0: Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host William Liu of Yahoo Sports Canada, and on this week's episode of the Raptors recap, I have Blake Murphy of the Athletic.
1: Hey man, I was told I was being brought into these offices for the Inside the Green Room podcast. I don't know, uh, I don't know what the deal is here.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, uh, Danny talks to you enough, um, but yeah, we are in the we are in the Inside the Green Room studio right now. Man, congratulations! Thank you. This is this is great. This has been great, Blake. This is super adorable. Father-son uh, bonding moment here. This is the first episode of the Recap Podcast, so I'll, I'll sort of go through what you can expect from these shows going forward. It's going to be about a 45 to an hour long conversation with a rotating panel of co-hosts. Yes, it won't just be me and uh, various guests. Blake, obviously, was very available, so I, I got you first. Blake. If there's anything
1: people know about me, it's I'm very available. You're very
0: available, man. I've seen you respond to every comment in your uh, comment section which i gotta say that's people, really people really pay admirable for the content i mean the commenters though that's that's got like that's got to be an extra It certainly extra wasn't doing out. that at raptors republic no no All those people had their ad blockers on jv hive yeah jv hive we'll talk it about JV out, Hive. turns out they were right yeah. oh my oh my god all <laughs> teaser right. for later oh my god all right well we'll talk about jv and uh the, the excellent piece you wrote when, when you were down in memphis and uh what else might be coming out from Memphis but uh let's start with the raptors right now Kyle larry getting injured um once again first off do you feel like it was a dirty play by mitchell robinson and um do you feel like people were overreacting to the whole thing in terms of cuz i think it was because it was so jarring you you got people pointing fingers at nick nurse you got people um i don't know coming at mitchell robinson and flooding his dms like what how did you see the play unfold
1: first of all mitchell robinson you got to close those dms you're a professional athlete, definitely. Um, but in terms of the the first thing is the the coming at Nick Nurse thing. I get it; they were up thirty plus. It was the middle of the third quarter, and Jeremy Lin was set to check in shortly. Yeah, there's teams do not pull guys from blowouts early in the third quarter to rest them. It's you play until your normal third quarter break, and then you're done. Yeah. That's Giannis does that, Embiid does that, Kyrie does that.
0: Yeah, it's standard. You want to keep players with their rhythm and stuff. Plus, Kyle only played twenty six minutes. But do you feel like it was a dirty play? Uh, yes. I don't think it was – I like
1: the way Kyle Lowry explained it after the game where he said it was dirty, but I don't think there was intent there. So it wasn't it wasn't like Mitchell Robinson wow. attacked – the, the Matthew Delvadova <laughs> excuse. Yeah. Um, I don't think Robinson meant to do that, but you are at all times responsible f- to be in control of your body. So if you are flailing wildly and you collide with someone and then you happen to grab their leg and give them a Hiroshi Tanahashi a dragon whip – yeah, there it is. Yeah, the the Japanese wrestling references that everyone expected five minutes into your first episode of the this, podcast.
0: Uh, people know what to expect with it. You. you got a brand. Yeah, you got a brand. Um,
1: but yeah, I thought it was dirty, and and whether he meant to do it or not, and I don't think he. I think he probably did not, in a flash, in his brain, be like, "Oh, I have a chance to hurt Kyle Lowry as I'm falling like this." Mm-hmm. But you're responsible for your body, and he should feel bad about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I do feel like though that the over the top reaction to. Like, the fact that this is, like, how old is he, like, 20, 19, yeah. 20? He's a rookie, right? Yeah,
1: he's one of the youngest players in the entire NBA.
0: Yeah, like a 19-year-old, any 19-year-old, regardless of what profession you're doing, if you're getting bombarded with negative comments on Instagram, on Twitter, and stuff like that, like, I could definitely see how that would keep someone up at night and, and keep someone wanting to defend themselves. And, and, and I think Robinson did do that. He did plead his case. You know, he said, you know, he, it was an intentional play, and he, he wants to apologize. But um, to that
1: point, he should have made himself available post-game.
0: So he wasn't available post game. No,
1: the the Knicks said he was not available.
0: Knicks PR said that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Knicks PR. Great organization that that group. Yeah. Working on their uh their their notes app. And to to,
1: to <laughs> your point about him being a young guy and that maybe getting in his head. He's a young guy who his success so far has been like I think yeah. I think that's a player with a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. His success is based off of being really twitchy and being all over the place and blocking 15 three-pointers in a season because you just fly out wildly at closeouts. Now, he needs to learn to rein that in and be safer about that around other players. Or just
0: not, not get into the foul trouble. Like, he barely played yesterday because he just kept fouling people. Yeah.
1: But you got to get those highlights blocking corner three-point shots.
0: Yeah. Are we sure he's not just uh, Bebe? American Bebe?
1: Yeah. I don't know what his politics are, but uh, otherwise. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway. Um, Bebe, yeah, we... by the way, who has turned into – he's basically one of those guys who just spends all day um, posting Instagram stories of his workouts
0: uh that's, i think that's called free agency yeah, yeah yeah he's
1: back in i don't know if he's in the u.s now but he had left his spanish team to come back to brazil
0: yeah i mean i didn't i wasn't obviously tracking baby stats too hard I, Look, we'll talk about real basketball stuff or real, real toronto Raptors stuff in a second but um sorry um no it's okay it's, this is this is what people come for um yeah baby's got like a gray beard now kind of
1: yeah and he, he wasn't doing it at that one well. point
0: so he was dying it gray. That's that's di- a relief. He was dying his beard. That's a relief. I don't want. He was like he's like twenty four years
1: old. If he's already got a gray beard, I don't know, man. Is that better than that? That's worse than him
0: dying his beard gray. Uh, I mean, at least one's a choice. You know, the other one is a choice made for you. So, not everyone can have this, a beard as nice as yours, Blake. All right, um, Kyle. So apparently he's questionable for OKC.
1: He is so that, questionable for OKC.
0: This begs the question: What will it take for Kyle to miss an actual game on ESPN? <laughs> Honestly, I get
1: I get that it lines up that way, and he played in the the one Philly. He returned in the two Philly games. Yeah. Um, the second of which was only a one game absence, and he might not have been that hurt in yeah. the game that he missed. Well. Um, also, though he did just like miss a couple games, he did. Yeah. He did sit through what he, they had initially called like. Only ankle soreness. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it's uh, like, obviously, if he plays, it'll look that way. Mm-hmm. But also, maybe his ankle's fine.
0: Yeah, maybe. It just looked really bad.
1: It did look really bad. And he was limping after the game, and he said it was pretty tender. And like, obviously, the fact that you have two recently sprained ankles, you know, I'm not a kinesiologist, but I would assume that if you are running on two sore ankles, that that maybe puts other body parts at risk as, as your body tries to compensate. So I would probably, based on the little information we have, I'd probably prefer for him to sit out Wednesday.
0: Wow, Blake hyperstro. Um
1: <laughs> DMP rest, maybe.
0: I was going to say, um, it is it is kind of a disappointment that Kyle obviously got hurt because he had really been finding his groove of late. Mm-hmm. Since February, here are his stats. 17 points a game, 6 rebounds, 8.5 assists, and 43% shooting from deep on 3.5 makes per game and 8.2 attempts. So I think that's ideally where you could get the most out of Kyle. Because as much as earlier this season, right, when Kyle was, um, you know, leading the league for with assists and things like that, it did kind of feel strange that the Raptors basically he is their second best player. Um, it was strange that he was so – he was being so unselfish and passive in terms of his own offense. And it feels like, um, you know, whether it's the Marcus effect, and we can talk about that later, but um, it feels like Kyle has really, f- like, finally found the balance between w- – you know how he should be playing, and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, him overcoming that back injury. Man, I mean, there was remember how low that thing was. Like it, he got, he had zero points in that Milwaukee loss at uh, at the ACC, and it was really close. Um But yeah, Kyle's good, and I hope he I hope he overcomes the injury.
1: Yeah, I think you know there are a couple important parts of Lowry turning around. Obviously, the three point shooting normalizing is a big one. I think it's mm-hmm. something we probably all. Figured was coming back. Like Kyle Lowry is too good a shooter to shoot like 33% all year. Um, You mentioned how passive he was earlier in the year. Yeah, He was not looking to score at all off of his drives. And that's one thing when you have Jonas Valanciunas as a role man partner. But when it's Serge Ibaka pick and popping to the elbow or Marc Gasol who... You know, I don't think naturally thinks dive after he sets a screen. You you know, I think he scored and someone joked on Twitter last night that he scored in the paint for like the first time as a Raptor.
0: It felt like that, honestly. Yeah.
1: So Lowry, you know, the pick and roll partners he has now, and he's so good in the pick and roll, and he is such a great playmaker. um, But they, the partners he has now, kind of require him to be more aggressive as a scorer. So you have to respect that threat as well. And his free throws have come up a little bit. Um, Like he only he was not getting to the line. Mm -hmm. at all early in the year and he was not attacking like he wasn't looking to shoot off drives at all and that that stuff's come up just a little bit as well Um, and it makes him more dynamic which I think you know in theory that should make it easier for his bigs too
0: yeah for sure Uh, I mean this is the thing right like Kyle has always been um, he's always been so instrumental in helping everyone else score and now there's finally help for Kyle in terms of who can help him get a shot. I think Gasol has really helped in that regard. But I also think, like, just indirectly, like, the the fact that there's so much spacing on the Raptors now, right? Like, Pascal is now a respected corner shooter. He really does pull a defender to the corner. We'll um, see come playoff time. We'll see come I'm still
1: skeptical time. that he's shot well enough, long enough to pull a defender in a playoff series.
0: I mean, worst case scenario, I think, you know, if, if defenses have to pick their poison, they're definitely leaving Pascal open in the corner. But... um I mean, if he can hit those, then then it changes the entire equation. But still, right now Pascal's been hitting great from the corners. Danny has been. I mean, Danny's had an incredible season. Yes. Right? we're not just saying that. Over fifty was in the yeah. background.
1: He's uh, he's over fifty percent from the right corner. I think he's second only to PJ Tucker uh-huh. in total makes from the corners this year.
0: Remember when we had PJ Tucker? That was that, that was, was fun. fun. Yeah, that was fun. Lo-
1: Love just like pregame chatter about shoes.
0: Yeah. Also, PJ Tucker was uh was my inspiration for first day at at, at the office. Remember that his first day with the Raptors, he like he didn't sleep for like twenty six hours, and then he shut down uh, Isaiah Thomas uh, in the Celtics, and uh, afterwards told Demar right after the game, you know we're we're, we're really good defensively, we just, we just got to get Demar to actually buy in, and then and then we're gonna be a great team.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that I haven't slept and I'm, so I have no filter today. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Otherwise, definitely filtered. Um, yeah, Kyle's been playing great. It's um. I think, uh, you know, this is one of those things where you just wish everyone was healthy at the same time, right? Because we've seen all sorts of different Raptors go through stretches where they've been really, really, really good. I mean, Kawhi's been consistent all year. Um, And I would say he's been improving throughout the year in terms of his passing, uh, although it's kind of marginal. Um, But you've seen Pascal have a lot of great moments. You've seen Kyle really pick up the slack of late as well. Serge obviously carried them for like a solid month there. Um, I mean... It's just disappointing that you don't have all the players ready at the same time. Um, The one thing with the schedule right now is that they only basically have two more useful games coming up, right? And these two games against OKC, those are nice barometers of what the Raptors can expect in the playoffs. Also
1: a team that is kind of designed to exploit what the Raptors like to give teams in the pick-and-roll. You, you remember last year, Westbrook and Adams kind of killed them. Westbrook would eat those floater range shots that the Raptors are willing to concede with their big dropping back. Okay. And Steven Adams is so good at sliding underneath the big after he sets the screen to get a ton of offensive rebounds. Um, they'll be a nice—I it, I think it'll be really nice to see how they look Wednesday and then see how they adjust Friday. And I, I don't think they'll dramatically change their approach, but— You know, playing a team twice in a row close to the playoffs is probably helpful experience in terms of, you know, hey, this is how playoff series is going to look and this is how we can make adjustments.
0: Um, That game you're referring to, by the way, March 18th, 2018. So basically a year ago to this day, um, OKC scored 132 points in regulation. That game, very memorable for many reasons. Uh, Corey Brewer following DeMar DeRozan and then Mark Davis getting chased out of the arena by Oh, that was that game? That was that game. And as you mentioned, Russell Westbrook had thirty seven in that game, fifteen of twenty two shooting. Uh, and Steven Adams had twenty five on ten of thirteen shooting. Yeah. It was it was it was you know, it was a very good performance by OKC. Um even Carmelo got buckets in that game. Did he? Oh, I forgot was on the He had fifteen points on six of ten. Wow. Plus twenty one. That's probably the last time Carmelo was plus twenty one in the game in the game. Um yeah, I mean, I just feels like you know, hopefully they have Kyle. But even if they do have Kyle, like it, he's obviously not going to be 100. percent. Like, how much do you feel like the lack of continuity is going to hurt the Raptors in a tangible way?
1: It's tough um, because on the one hand, there are there have been benefits to this, right? I wrote about it this morning at the Athletic. In that, you know, you haven't seen all the lineups that you haven't got to see together a lot mm-hmm. are the lineups that you can be pretty sure are going to work together. Like, do you like the starters with Gasol? Like, you can be pretty sure that that's going to work. They're just going to score so much. Um, But you've gotten to look at other different lineups here, and you've gotten to see Fred with the starters in in different... And we're going to talk playoff rotations, I think. But you've gotten to see Fred in the starters in place of Kyle or in place of Kawhi, and you've got to see both centers in there, and you've got to see for little bits how OG looks in the Siakam spot or the Leonard spot and stuff. So there are benefits, but I think... You know, if they had their way, you look at these final 10 games and yeah, you would like you would like to not have your hand forced about which day you're missing guys and stuff like that because I do think there's something to even those little bits of familiarity or, or working on, you know, small, like Nick Nurse has said, he doesn't want to show a lot more that they might use in the playoff, but you might want to trial a couple things. You can't let Cooper Smother uh, see
0: everything, yeah. you know? Yeah.
1: Um, so I think, I don't think it's like the end of the world. But I think if they, I think they would really like to have all of their guys for the last ten games. Maybe not Wednesday, but from Friday moving forward, and then you can at least pick the games where you don't have your guys, right?
0: Right. Um, okay. Well, let, let's let's look at the rotation then, because uh, the way I have it drawn up right now, I think we can agree the nine players that might actually feature consistently in a playoff rotation.
1: I think I have eight that are in pen. Okay, give me your eight in pen. Okay, so Lowry, Green, Siakam, Kawhi. Yep. Obviously, both centers. Yeah, uh, Fred. Yeah, And I think OG's in there for sure. I think he's come okay. along enough defensively. I agree. And when he's playing with better players, it just, hey, knock down a corner three and cut baseline and then go defend. And yep. I think he's done well enough in that role the last two months that he's back firmly in. And then I think the ninth and if there's a tenth spot are a little bit more open to matchup or how these last couple weeks go. Um,
0: yeah, I'm largely in agreement with you. I feel like I might have Norm as like a 8.5. That point five guy where it's just – Norm can give you, like, actual buckets. And if he's actually locked in and playing defense, then he doesn't necessarily hurt you on that end. The
1: the thing with Norm giving you buckets, though, is that Norm giving you buckets is really valuable – in those lineups where you don't have a lot of your best players in it. Okay. And you will be using those, le- like in a lineup that has Jeremy Lin and Patrick McCaw yeah, yeah, and OG in to... it, you need Norm to get those buckets right. and, and a guy who can push in transition or six seconds left on the clock, create something mm-hmm. that's less and less valuable. If you're staggering Kyle Kawhi and Siakam, and okay. especially if, if Gasol ends up coming off the bench. Um, I don't think, you know, I think Powell's probably ahead of McCaw and Lynn if I drew it up right now. Right. Um, but I don't think he's like a – I don't have him as a firm in.
0: Okay. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, honestly, Powell's not necessarily consistent enough to be a firm in. Um, I, actually, I kind of like the idea of McCaw getting just spot minutes because unlike Powell where there's like a lot of upside, like McCaw's thing is just consistency, right? He's going to come in. He's going to defend the ball. I feel like he's probably the second best on-ball defender on the Raptors outside of Kawhi. And I just mean like containing yeah, I'm, penetration. I'm,
1: yeah, I might put depending on the matchup. Maybe OG.
0: OG. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. OG's. Real, yeah. Okay. At worst, the third. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's there's a there's a value to that. Yeah. And he's a turnover forcing machine, yeah. which
1: helps. Again, that's another thing that helps those offense starved bench mm-hmm. units sometimes. Um, now the thing with McCaw is he's the one guy on the team more than anyone. I would bet that an opposing defense just oh, ignores. Yeah, definitely. So you're going to want to pick those minutes. I know you had him down as a very small number of minutes.
0: Two, I, two. I, the, I, the Norman Powell honorary
1: <laughs> here makes something happen at the end of the second quarter. Minutes.
0: Yeah. Well, wow, make something happen for the opposition. Yeah,
1: uh, or, or the, the Jordan Lloyd honorary <laughs> go foul three point shooter and check out. Yikes. Um, sorry, that's my guy. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. But um, no, I, I I agree with you, and I think McCaw, especially if he's playing against opposing bench units, um, you know, Doug Smith calls him the. What does he call him? The Chaos Agent or something like that? Agent of Chaos? Something like that. That sounds like a bad Netflix show. Yeah. It's definitely (laughs) something in the Marvel or DC universe. Right. Um, But yeah, he he makes stuff happen with his defense. And and even if he's just like a specialist, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some teams that you might run into in the playoffs who have a gifted bench score. Yeah. You know, there's your Ish Smith coverage right there.
0: I mean, we didn't. Uh, I was surprised Nick Nurse didn't eventually get around to that in the Pistons game. But maybe who knows? Maybe he'll save you something for the first round. Um, by, by the way, man, Dwayne Casey versus Nick Nurse—it's hilarious. In the first man. round be—I so don't much understand fun. how people don't find this funny. It is really funny because Dwayne has—he's so buttoned up and he's so smooth. But uh, yeah, he's been subtly taking jabs. It's been—he yeah.
1: does not have a good poker face when it comes to his feelings no. about the Raptors. No,
0: man. Like one under drummer was hitting those free throws. Oh God. Dwayne. Dwayne is a he's a good coach. He's he's proven again this year. Um we'll see what happens in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think you know, the thing with Dwayne Casey is if you have a thirty five win team on talent that you want to get low forties wins out of, wow. That's your guy. Wow. Look, that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> That is
0: true. I mean, he did that with the Raptors, and like
1: that's yeah. And, and with the Raptors, maybe they were forty-five win talent, and he got fifty-five wins out of them. Like, yeah, exactly. He can coach a not super talented team up.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's go back to the rotation. This yes. is the way I have it drawn up right now. Okay. So at point guard, uh, the way you I mean these all total up to forty-eight, but you Let, got,
1: let's just go over the total minutes numbers because I mean, it, like, okay. I saw I saw the way you broke it down and like right. whether Lowry and Van Vliet are point guard or shooting guard if they're playing together. We okay. Don't. Fair
0: enough. Uh, I got Lowry playing thirty-eight. Van Vliet playing 24, uh 24 being sometime at point guard, sometime at shooting guard, like you mentioned. Danny Green thirty, Kawhi thirty five, Pascal thirty-five, OG fifteen, surge twenty four, Mark twenty-four, norm eleven, and Macaw two.
1: Yeah, so my when I looked at this, the one thing is I think Kawhi probably ends up playing around thirty eight. Like I th- Okay. That's that- a separate that's a separate conversation. But yeah. 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 Well, okay, like, we can have that conversation. It's just okay. like when he is played. Yeah especially in big games they have not really hesitated to play him big minutes that's true like there was the boston game there was the washington game
0: they are portland n- game
1: yeah they have shown that once and i think they haven't confirmed this because they don't let me talk to the sports science staff but in my head this is the way it makes sense is the toll of getting your body ready to play and going through shoot around and going through pre-game and then playing and then the cool down process that is such a bigger extra cost than a couple minutes when you're already warmed up. Right. Where obviously anytime you're on the court and anytime you're fatigued, your chances of injury exist. But I think they've looked at it as, you know, the total number of times you have to get your body up and ready to go is a better measure of load than how many minutes you play once you're already up and going. That is my interpretation of Mm -hmm. you can play 40 minutes, but you're sitting the next game.
0: See, I agree with that. My only concern is, uh, and it's not necessarily a concern so much as it is, I haven't seen it yet, but if I mean, we can all agree that Kawhi is sort of playing about sixty percent on defense, right? Yeah, he is not playing one hundred percent. That's yeah, sure. exactly right. And it's 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 completely natural for a lot of superstars to do that. Honestly, every superstar outside of Giannis is doing that this year. Maybe Embiid. It depends if you want to call him a superstar, but. um yeah, I mean is it realistic to expect Kawhi to basically flip a switch and turn it on in the playoffs such that it's not even necessarily his performance but it's just that he's going to be taking on so much more responsibility like playing defensive player of the year type defense going up against the top opposing player while also playing 48 or I'm sorry 38 minutes and you know averaging like almost 30 a game
1: yeah I don't I don't have an answer on the defensive end I don't think his offensive usage is going to change all that much okay Um, defensively what's as interesting to me about it as the fact that he hasn't looked awesome defensively is that the Raptors really haven't tasked him with guarding the other team's best player you look at the Houston games he didn't spend a ton of time on Harden until late in that first game when they were trying to come back you look at the Milwaukee series I think he spent like nine possessions on Giannis over the course of those games now he missed I think one or two of them he missed one of them for sure, maybe two of them. But K- he didn't. Kawhi, yeah, he missed the first game. Yeah. Um, so did Giannis. But he didn't right, right. spend a lot of time on Giannis in any of those meetings. Right. That was mostly um, Pascal. Even like Boston, when they got to those late game scenarios, like they didn't put him on Kyrie. So yeah. I'm curious if that, cha- as much as Kawhi's engagement level, like are they still going to have him hanging out in the corner on, you know, Damari Carroll? Yeah. So to
0: save his load, or are they going to. Man. If DeMar Carroll got guarded by Kawhi Leonard to any degree, that would be. That would be he's the black if, Kyle Korver. Uh, he's senior swag daddy. And he
1: plays with the white Kyle Corver, Joe Harris.
0: Oh, Joe Harris. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, but white, no, that's, the white Blake Murphy, actually. That's what I'm,
1: <laughs> um, that's what I'm most curious about from a Raptors Uch's standpoint is like, is Kawhi guarding the best player on the other team? Or is mm-hmm. he just playing better, guarding off the ball, and kind of playing that old LeBron free safety role?
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Uh, based on what's happened this season and the thing is look it's not like the raptors had bad defenders around him right like pascal's a good option danny's a really good option even kyle's a pretty good option like yeah you know and Surge is like as
1: much it. as serge isn't having a gangbusters uh, defensive year mm. if he gets switched onto
0: a non-point guard you can usually survive that for a yeah. couple
1: seconds yeah for sure
0: so. um Okay, I mean, but going back to the the rest of the minutes, yeah. I think everything else you're more or less okay with. Maybe Norm having too many minutes.
1: Yeah, I think Norm and McCaw together having the same it, having together the same number of minutes in the ninth man role that OG has in the eighth man role. Mm-hmm. Um, I see more utility for OG at okay. least in certain matchups. I think like like I think Philly is an OG matchup.
0: Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Um, and Milwaukee I think as well. I think Milwaukee's probably an yeah, OG yeah. matchup. Although Milwaukee's g- big given across the board, given so. Norman
1: Powell's history against Milwaukee, that's a <laughs> As a Norman Powell matchup, too. Uh, especially, and, and if they somehow run into Indiana, that's definitely a Norman Powell matchup. That is true. That's a start Norman playing 40 minutes matchup. I
0: hope they run into Indiana. I'm, I'm not they, even just they, for the Raptors. Yeah. I just hope Indiana somehow makes it past the first round. Yeah,
1: I don't think that's happening. But what, what do you mean? They're a game and a half back of Philly for the three seed now.
0: All they got to do is you know. beat Boston. Yeah.
1: that's I actually <laughs> want it to happen more for that reason than for Indiana's
0: purposes. I'm telling you, if they had Oladipo, I'd, they'd beat Boston.
1: Yeah. They'd get the three seed and probably
0: beat the Raptors in the second okay, round. Okay, relax, relax, <laughs> relax. We've owned the No, yeah, Toronto, we've owned Toronto the Pacers, matches man. up
1: super well with uh, with the Oladipo Pacers. Anyway, I right. probably don't need to talk about a team they're not going to play. Right, right. Um, yeah, I guess, is there a team in the first round that you... Like, is there a potential first-round opponent where you're thinking on what you laid out
0: changes? Um... Not really. The thing with OG is that he's really, really important in all these matchups. And I agree. Like, giving OG 15 minutes and giving Norm 11 just doesn't feel right. Yeah. I like, think... I'm not saying give him 25. Yeah. The, it was just the way I sketched it out. It's, it's kind of tricky because now you have, obviously... All 48 minutes cover at center. So Pascal doesn't really play much small ball center. Although, who knows? Maybe in some matchups, he does play small ball center. Like, if the Bucs go with Nikola Mirotic off the bench as their backup center, and then it's like, okay, fine. You could put Pascal there, and then you got OG on the floor as well at power forward. But the thing is, you got all yeah, that, the center minutes. I'm I telling I love you, so like, that's going to be. I think that should be a really, really nice combination. But, like, again, when you have that much talent at center, it's almost. Almost truncating your ability to do that. Well, you can
1: run those guys two three four too. It's something I've mentioned before. Is like if you really want to get big, but also like long and athletic, mm-hmm. you run Kawhi OG Siakam 2-3-4 with the center.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Man, that's a it's a lot of it's a lot of defensive potential. On this I know Raptors. that's a good Philly lineup, right?
0: That is a really good Philly lineup. Um, no, I, I mean I think OG is going to feature prominently. It's just a little bit tricky. Like how much of OG can you know are you going to put at small forward? Because look again. You got Pascal there, you got Kawhi there, and you got two great centers. Like mm-hmm. it's just hard to find enough minutes. But I do think OG is going to feature pretty prominently. I might be overreacting to Norm hitting a couple of jumpers here, but I, I do feel like the one thing Norm is doing really well right now is playing off Marcus Gasol and um, Gasol's impact on the team. I think people are still somewhat underwhelmed by Gasol, which again I don't, I can't really completely understand that at this point. Um, maybe part of that is with JV scoring so much, but. Um, I think Gasol is doing sort of largely what you would expect Gasol to do, per thirty six minutes. Gasol is averaging um, fourteen points, ten rebounds, and six assists. One point four blocks, one point one point four steals, one point three blocks. Shooting forty six percent from the field and about thirty three percent from deep. Like that's kind of that's Marcus. Gasol. Yeah. Like I, I don't even I, even the rebounding is a bit better than I expected. Right? I mean, I, yeah, Gasol's an interesting
1: guy rebounding wise because he's always been, his numbers have never been that great, but like his teams have always rebounded better with him on yeah. the floor. He's one of those like Lopez types right. where it's like, okay, maybe he's just clearing bodies. I maybe. don't really know. But maybe he's just bad defensively and he's had, or defensive rebounding and he's had good rebounders around him. I don't know. I'm just saying if he's not a strength of the Raptors overall, though.
0: If he cleared out Mitchell Robinson, then maybe <laughs> Kyle lowry has got one good ankle again. You know, maybe it's not Nick Nurse or Mitchell Robinson. Maybe it was Marcus Love. Um, I'm sure someone in the JV hives already said that. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you look at Gasol's impact on the team overall, right, um, the Raptors are first in three percentage since the trade. That's according to your teammate, Eric Corrine, at The Athletic. And also, producer extraordinaire Chris Black on Twitter also tweeted out that the Raptors, since adding Gasol, um, are fourth in assists, six in passes, second in secondary assists. And for anyone who doesn't understand secondary assists, it's basically – Uh, a pass was made to somebody and that that player shot and there was a potential for an assist there. Uh, Sorry, 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 that's potential assist. Secondary assist is like a hockey assist.
1: I would like to clear something up in case Chris Black is listening to this podcast. Okay. He tweeted that out while Eric and I were recording our podcast, uh, my Raptors Reasons podcast, and I cited those statistics and I had been looking them up during the podcast. Wow. Yeah, so... I just want Chris to know that I didn't rip off your tweet on the other podcast appearance. Wow. Um, I had it open in front of me as well because I knew Eric wanted to talk about it.
0: I'm going to edit this podcast audio just like uh, Sergio Bach edited his uh, Kawhi Leonard question on how hungry are you. <laughs>
1: um, Here's the thing with all of this. All yeah. of that is great. Uh, and we've talked about this in the past when the Raptors weren't a high passing, high assist team. Is that those things are good, but they're not good. Like passing isn't more passing isn't better for the sake of more passing mm-hmm. and more assists aren't better or more assist opportunities aren't better for the sake of more assists since the trade deadline or since the all-star break uh, the raptors are also maybe i should use the trade deadline as a date instead but the, the raptors have not been uh as good offensively as mm. they were when they were not passing the ball huh. uh as much which is you know obviously that there's a lot going on there. There's been a lot of in and out in the lineup and you have to adjust the guys and stuff like that. But they are, since the trade deadline, ninth in offensive rating. Mm -hmm. So it's not, that stuff has been fun to watch and it seems like, I think the most important part of it is that the threes are falling because guys are getting cleaner passes and more in rhythm and stuff like that. Um, But it has not by itself meant that the Raptors offense has gone to another level. Mm. There are also probably some games where you just want to throw out the data from that stretch too. That
0: Orlando game. That Orlando game, that Cavaliers game. I mean, there's there's been a couple of very, very strange losses yeah. in this stretch. This is the
1: thing about most teams, though. If you take out all their bad games, they'll have
0: really good numbers. Yeah, that's, that is that is generally the case. <laughs> um, and, of course, they played, like, the Pelicans and the Knicks over the stretch, too. So and some of it does balance itself out of the Lakers. Um, man, the Lakers are bad. But um, <laughs> I, I do think that, it, you know, adding Gasol is not necessarily about um, just the you know, the total productivity. It's also sort of about the flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about um, the style of offense that the Raptors can play, I feel like they are almost harder to guard now. Uh, The trade-off being that you don't have as much of a presence at the basket. Like, JV was so good at the rim. Um, but um, And as a dive threat. Like, neither of these guys
1: are the role threat that that JV was. Yeah. But you're getting back some other things, obviously.
0: Yeah, and I I feel like maybe this version of the Raptors were – um, the the ball movement is better. Um, the it just lends to the fact that it's harder to trap. For example, right, like one of the issues that used to befall the Raptors all the time in the playoffs was Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry were clearly the number one and two options offensively, and teams would just trap those guys. And those are small guards to begin with. Um, and when they did get up, give like when they did give up the ball, whoever was playing, you know, whether it was Tyler Hansbro or Amir Johnson or Louis Scola or you know JV. Or Bismack Biombo. I mean, especially if it was Bismack Biombo. Like they weren't doing anything with the ball. They couldn't really shoot it and they couldn't really make a play. And even after they got Surge, it was still kind of disconnected because Surge can shoot it, but he doesn't he's not able to dribble at all. Especially
1: and right now that his pick and pop threes haven't been there, right? Like exactly. trap busting threes, especially if it's a high screen roll.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, and then, so you need a guy like Gasol who can sort of at the very least, if he's not scoring, he can at least grease the wheels and give someone else a great opportunity to score. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he's, you know, neither of them are the screensetter of Valanchunas's, but Gasol's a pretty savvy screen setter. He f- flips the direction well and yeah. bumps his hips out a little bit. He's massive. People can't see the little hip bump I just did, but wow. you can hear it in my inflection. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: what's this? What's the sweater you're wearing?
1: Oh, uh, Gaslight Anthem. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. So that a I- friend I- of mine brought it by. They're one of the... The no, guys one of, of watch watches football in the morning sometimes, you know? Oh, okay. With the lads. Right.
0: Well, who, do you, who do they support?
1: Um, He, I forget who he supports.
0: Don't, please don't tell me they're, they're Spurs fans.
1: No, he's, no, my one roommate is a Spurs fan. <sighs> Everyone around me is Spurs fans. It's yeah, because like, when when Spurs I was...
0: fans are like, they're just like, are new to soccer and then they don't want to pick like a team that's like, a, you know, one of the traditional ones. They want to be different. But the thing with soccer is you really do want to lean into the tradition, you yeah, know? I don't know. Yeah, I don't
1: have a I don't have a football club that I support. You know,
0: let me let me pitch Liverpool FC to you, off the pod. I think Not I got
1: Liverpool. Liverpool. I think I did. Like I was jokingly taking one of those like which team is for you, mm. and I got Liverpool. And someone nice. was like, "Oh, that says bad things about you as a person." And I was like, "Damn, they
0: we have a bad reputation as fans." Yeah, I'll say that much. We're like the Boston sports fan base, generally. Yeah. Yeah. So so when you put in Murphy as your last name, like I, I think they just it doesn't matter what other answers you give. Yeah. I'm going to root for Celtic FC. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the other option. Um, that's a view. <clears throat> All right, never mind. Redacted. Um, <laughs> in terms of the Gasol starting or not, I feel like we've had this conversation a million times. Does it matter to you still?
1: It doesn't really, no. no. I, think, I think there are enough ways to stagger the rotation that you're good either way. Right. I think, you I know. think
0: Gasol's good either way.
1: Yeah, and I think the starters are good either way the The right. numbers bear out that, as long as those four guys are together mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter- i mean there are different like Gasol has the worst net rating j v had the best rock right. in the middle, but they're all still very good net ratings, so yeah. like it doesn't really matter the starters um you know i don't I don't know I think there are enough ways to like i have i think van Vliet has a good enough chemistry with Gasol in this if it's a second unit, and I think alternatively if Gasol starts then you can you know run those Lowry and bench units where Abaka has Lowry as his kind of safety net guy mm-hmm. um, I think there's enough it doesn't really matter a ton to me I do think if you're looking at the t- the potential opponents right. there are more potential opponents that feel like Gasol matchups if you're splitting the hairs based on matchup like I think Boston is really the only team where you're like that's probably a Serge one maybe
0: Brooklyn Uh, yeah Serge has played Al Horford really well you need uh, some level of mobility with Al Horford yeah Um,
1: And also, they're going to have Baines off the bench. And like, you don't really want.
0: All you want to do is pull Baines away from the basket. He's basically like a big Aussie Chuck Hayes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. He even shoots like Chuck Hayes, except he actually makes a shot. He bangs
1: threes now, though. Yeah. Remember that one game last year where he hit like seven straight mid range twos against the Raptors?
0: Against JV, you mean?
1: All right. We're going to take
0: a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Blake's adventures in Memphis and also take some Twitter questions. Welcome back to the second half of the Raptors recap podcast. Still here with Blake. We're going to talk about uh, your trip to Memphis. Sure. Yeah. So uh, there's already one story out there right now uh, about Jonas Valanciunas and how he's doing um, in Memphis. The reason you're in Memphis, obviously, is because they have a very strange version of the Raptors down there. You got JV, who's averaging 18 and 8 in 25 minutes per game so far. DeLon Wright's down there, 10 points, uh, 4.5 Rebounds, 3.6 assists. CJ, unfortunately, he just got hurt and he's out for the year, but he had a really nice, I think, 33-point game? 33-point game, yeah. Out of nowhere, really. His
1: first 30-point game in, like, five seasons.
0: Good, and I'm happy for him. He's always an explosive scorer. Um, Bruno's down there. Bruno's, Bruno's actually down. carved out a career. We can talk about that. And even Jerry Stockhouse is down there. And
1: Nikki Gross, who is an assistant with the 905.
0: There you go. Memphis
1: so, is uh, one of the few teams in the league with, like, nearly as much um, female presence throughout their organization as the Raptors. Nice. Which was nice. cool to see and get to meet some of them down there.
0: That's yeah, that's definitely uh, one of the nicer features about the Raptors is yeah. how much they uh, they focus on. And Terrence Ross was there while I was there. Oh, Terrence Ross was there too. There you go. That was the other Raptors outcast before this was was the Magic. Yeah, when they had Terrence and Biz, Terrence, Biz, and Weltman. And I guess if you want to count
1: DJ Augustine, because the Raptors played him one time.
0: Man, if you play like that, the original Fred VanVleet. Wow. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Fred's better. The, the disrespect. That's something. I don't know what that exact something is, but. Basketball. Okay. I mean, this version of Fred, this version of Fred is definitely better.
1: Yeah, 12 assists in 25 minutes or whatever yeah. it is he put up last
0: night. For people who haven't seen already, the JV story's out. Um, he's obviously thriving. And um, just what have you seen out of JV? And also, what do the people in Memphis think about JV so far?
1: Yeah, they were, in talking to people around the team, I think they they knew what they were getting in terms of. Jonas Valanciunas is a guy who can score and rebound. Uh, I think they were a little surprised at his overall skill level. Right. Uh, because, you know, he had had his role minimized and he didn't do a lot of playmaking. I think his second game in Memphis, he set a career high in assists. And that hasn't been like regular or anything. But I think they were, it sounded like they were a little surprised at just how many things JV could do capable, mm-hmm. if not in an elite fashion. I think I think the big thing for them, especially with Jaron Jackson out, is that, um, you know, they're... They're in a weird spot because they are a rebuilding team, but they have incentive to win because they're right. they can they want to convey their pick this year, but it's top eight protected. So short of them getting like the number one or two pick, they would rather fall like nine, ten 11 and convey that pick so they want to be winning right now and jv kind of helps with that and looking ahead to his player option next year which i would think it's likely he picks up um you know that's a high character high spirit guy to kind of build around who's been through a building process before so they they seem pretty excited about it jv himself still seems a little hurt i Um, mean he loved it here he he loved toronto he really he joked with me that uh he, it was always a joke when he would say it but he used to say all the time that his son would play for the canadian national team and he took that joke off the table now
0: yeah. oh that's that's really unfortunate yeah damn that's that's, um, that's heartbreaking but like he
1: i think he's a little hurt and uh-huh. you know he he still spoke in ways that it's like oh like it has to be the team first and they have you know they made their decision i just have to play within that and stuff like that but You know, I got the sense that he was happy to be able to show a little bit that, hey, this is what I could have been doing, at least offensively. And he's he's played pretty well defensively there, too.
0: So Jonas Valanciunas wasn't the only Raptor that uh, you're going to be writing about. I believe there's also another piece coming on Bruno Caboclo, and I'm going to be very interested to see that one because Bruno has always been this mysterious half-meme, half-player that, quite honestly, I, I really hope he's grown into just, you know, not half meme, but maybe like one-tenth meme and 90% player because you want to see a guy like that succeed. I mean, for you personally, you've seen him at every step of his career, and um, I believe you are honestly uniquely positioned in terms of anyone else in the uh, Raptors media landscape to tell the story of Bruno Caboclo, and you were down there in Memphis. Um, what have you seen out of Bruno, and what did people in the organization think of Bruno?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it was fun, man. It's uh, Obviously, I spent a lot of time with it with 905 picking up little chunks of Portuguese where I could Mm. to, uh, you know, get actual quotes out of him and stuff. And watching him, you know, turn from just like a lengthy, like a lanky kid into like an actual almost basketball player. And now he looks like an actual basketball player. Whether or not he's going to end up, you know, being an NBA caliber basketball player, we still don't really know. The early returns of Memphis are pretty good, but he's tailed off a little bit. Uh, I think the most interesting thing was, one – that Memphis brought him into play. We talked about with JV a little bit how they want to win right now. So even though they're developing, you know, they don't want to – they're not force-feeding him 40 minutes right? um, just to get development reps. If he plays poorly, he gets the hook. Um, And I think having Jerry Stackhouse there has helped a lot, a guy who coached him for two years, a guy who knows him really well. And, you know, every team – every assistant coach is responsible for every player. Mm -hmm. But there are – you know, Phil Handy works out this guy. And Jamal McGlure works out with this guy. Or or yeah. Patrick Matumbo works out OG before the game or whatever. You you have your guys and Stackhouse and Bruno have that, and that allows them to kind of continue that relationship and you know help the environment Bruno has to develop within. I think um the thing that they seem most impressed by, because the you know, the defense has been nice, the offense has been up and down as this three point shot has been up and down. Um I think the thing that they are most impressed by is that he's come in with a, a different attitude and a lot more maturity than the book on Bruno was. Uh, something I write about in the piece is that Bruno has had some bumps in terms of growing up in what's a pretty difficult environment for Which, an 18-year-old kid to get dropped into. Exactly. Um, so they were, they've were they been pretty happy with his maturity level and how he responds to failure and how he responds to success um, and how he responds to being a teammate and not being this you know development project who's getting babied and stuff like that. So it was pretty right.
0: cool. Yeah, and I think, look, honestly, it, it was probably good for him to get away from Toronto just a little bit in this environment here. Because, like, I think because he had that really magical night against the Bucks back in 2015, that – I mean, that debut was – I wrote about it once. It was, quite honestly, one of the most hype moments ever in Raptors history. And it happened in, like, a late November game. But um, just all the things I went. Into, I think the Raptors had, like, a 50-point lead at one point. Uh, and then Bruno came in, and then he did – you know he he extended that fifty point lead, so um, that was that kind of game. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I, I really especially interested to hear about the um, or to read about the Stackhouse angle because I think Stack last year was the guy who said that you know re- you know so long as he's on an NBA bench, he's going to try his best to get Bruno an actual rotation spot, and he's always been that guy that's really believed in him, and I think it it, it has to be. And they asked him. Stackhouse has really had rewarding. Input. Oh, definitely. Before they signed him, they yeah. went
1: to Stackhouse and they were like, hey, what do you think? Right. And Stackhouse was like, no, do it.
0: And he's always said that he's, he's an incredible defender, mm-hmm. an NBA caliber defender. I think that's the part with Bruno that is definitely there and it's sort of just can he do the other stuff. Yeah, right? and
1: for a long time in the G League it was, well, he blocks a lot of shots and gets steals because he's so long and even if he's out of position. But now he's like, he defends well. And it's just the G League, but like
0: his... He was on LeBron. Yeah,
1: his... Uh, <laughs> No, but, like, even uh, even against um, Orlando, the one game I was at, he, like, came out of nowhere for this huge block on DJ Augustine. And it's, right. like, the way – I don't want to give too much from the piece away, but Stackhouse has a uh, an intelligent way of describing it and how things have started to click for, for Bruno on that end. Um, and Stackhouse – and this surprised me a little bit, not because I didn't think Bruno was a savvy guy, but just because it's not something you think of with young prospects much. Yeah. Stackhouse said that, like, Bruno is, like, a really good film guy. And he can see things that are supposed to develop and things like that. And maybe you know part of the learning curve has been being able to communicate that kind of stuff. And mm. there's a funny—I nah, don't want to give it away. It's—it's it's in the story. I don't want to—I don't okay. want to talk too deeply about it because it'll—it'll give something away from the story. Where can people find the story? They'll be able to find it at the Athletic, probably Wednesday. I think it's going up Wednesday. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, please read it. It's going to be—I mean, it's going—it's a Blake Murphy. I talked to everyone. So for it's going to be an epic. But this—I think this one is really going to be just. Truly epic. I mean, you got you got guys from the Fort Wayne Mad Ants on there, man.
1: Yeah, I talked to everyone.
0: Yeah, but not CJ Fair. Not CJ Fair, unfortunately.
1: No. Former Bruno Caboclo teammate with Fort Wayne, CJ
0: Fair. That must that must have been kind of awkward. A little bit at least. Must have been a little awkward for sure. Yeah, he definitely got clowned a little bit. It's, it <laughs> is what it is. That was probably CJ Fair's most relevant moment too, Sorry. if you if you really got to think about it. Like, you,
1: yeah, I mean, he's had some minutes, some moments in the G League, I guess. But yeah, really, that's it. You you made a guy cry.
0: Yeah, 2015. twenty fifteen. That's twenty fifteen. Feels like such a long time ago, but um, it's been a really good run. Um, all right, so we're gonna wrap up that portion of the podcast and move on to taking some listener questions. Um, I got sixty seven questions now. Oh boy! On Twitter, and that's just impossible to go through them. So <laughs> I picked out a couple here for us to go through. First one from our guy Sasha. If you had to do double date with any Raptors player at Robba Fine Foods, who would it be and why? So, this is obviously a reference to OG, OG. and Anobi um, putting that on Danny Green's Instagram, I think? Yeah,
1: I think so. When he posted a pic of him and his girl from Rap right. City Social or something like that.
0: Uh huh. So, OG, obviously very much a Toronto man at this point. But um, double date with any Raptors player at Robba Fine Foods.
1: I will say, while I was in Memphis, I third wheeled with a former Raptor wow. over barbecue.
0: Wow. Bruno walked into a barbecue <laughs> yeah, joint okay. after me. That sounded so mysterious. Yeah,
1: no, Bruno walked into uh, a barbecue joint, like, right after me one day in Memphis, and it was it was pretty funny.
0: The Lawn filming another The Spot <laughs> commercial.
1: <laughs> um, no, honestly, I, I think my answer is OG. Yeah? I, I think the opportunity to observe what that guy would be like on a date would be really... I know that other people would probably answer this in ways that like, you know, your date's going to go the best or whatever, yeah, but yeah. I feel like that would be the most entertaining.
0: Uh the last player would take a surge.
1: Yeah, cuz he would go. No. He, yeah. No, no, that's not that, happening. That wouldn't be a double date for very long. No,
0: it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. Um can you be a fourth wheel? Is that a thing? I mean, you're like sixth, seventh maybe. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like a you're like a 10-day contract wheel. <laughs> um Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, first off, in order to go to Ralph Fine Foods, you got to really go With someone that would really appreciate it, like I feel like Pascal would really love being on a Raba, yeah, you know, um, because you got to be willing to eat like, um, you know, those rotisserie hot dogs and stuff like that, yeah, yeah. So it'd probably, it'd probably be Pascal, he would be pretty hype about it.
1: When I lived at like Queen of McCall, I ate, ate. at Rabba Fine Foods more than I would care to. Have
0: you been. were so close to Chinatown,
1: I would eat in Chinatown a lot too, but uh-huh. if when you're walking up from the arena oh after the God. game and the Rabba Fine Foods is 24 hours. And you pass it on your walk home.
0: That is clutch for Blue Jays games. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, right. like I said, it's more than I'd care to admit.
0: All right. Well. Uh, and now you're eating. Now you're eating Memphis barbecue with Bruno. You know yes. The glove is real for everybody. Yeah. And by accident, it wasn't planned. And also, to be
1: clear, it was after everything was done for the story. It was my last day there, and he just happened to wander in after me. It was, right. It was very funny.
0: That's that's adorable. What did Bruno have again? I think he had a sandwich. Mm. I
1: can't remember. I had all the meat you could throw at me. Nice. Nice. Which phrasing, I realized. But...
0: I'll clip that. Um, next one from Zoobs. Oh. We're only taking questions from from actual real-life friends, apparently. Yeah.
1: And now we're into the Yahoo, the your coworker portion of this.
0: That's right. Shout out to Zoobs for being here until midnight. Helping me out with uh, 10 things in the podcast. He's
1: probably upstairs right now.
0: Probably, yeah. He, should say, well. <laughs> he
1: could come down and ask in person if he really wanted.
0: He really could. Um, what's the first thing you would add for OG to make a Siakam leap next year? I really like that question.
1: It's a good question. And it's actually, I was talking to someone about it. I think I was talking to Joe Cash about it last night at the game as we were watching OG warm-up.
0: Let's see how many Toronto media people we can reference.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is just a name drop of people that you follow on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. And and none of them are impressive. They're all just people from Twitter.
0: Oh, come on. Cash is, Cash's hair is impressive. Cash's hair life. is impressive. Yeah, it's really impressive in real life. Yeah. I've um, seen him play, like, entire soccer matches. Hair still looks good.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think for OG, the biggest thing is... And this is a broad term, but, like, his face-up game has to improve. Right now, his shooting is steady enough. Yep. He's – I mean, you can only work on cutting off the ball so much anyway. Um, He's already there. Yeah. And then defensively – you know he's a good defensive prospect. It's he's got to work on the handle, and more yeah. so than the handle, the control of the body and the control of the ball as he's driving because he does have that spin move that he can bust out sometimes. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times he'll go up for that, and the ball isn't in the hand you want to go up with, or the ball's too low, and the defender can get a hand on it. Um, and some, of, right. a, a lot of that is just reps and like, you know, how you position your body before the contact and stuff like that. And it's I know it's something he's working on, but you could probably work on it a lot more um come the offseason it's just you know he has a decent first step and he has an okay handle and you just got to put those things together and think about where you're trying to get to and what position your body is in best when you get there so
0: yeah it's for uh sure.
1: you know not everyone can be like siakam and just spin and look at a control and it still works
0: but i mean hey look listen to the point of the the spirit of the question right the fact that pascal made this leap like pascal would have a lot of moments last year where he was kind of going out of control and things like that and it's really when you pare down that And really, you give a guy coordination. I feel like Pascal's always had more natural coordination than OG. But if you can somehow teach a guy to be coordinated, I think that's it, right? Because OG, he definitely shows enough flashes where you're like, man, I I just – I wonder if it was a different team, if it wasn't like you know a team that has finals expectations. And if he wasn't asked to come in to be the fifth starter and then later on a bench guy, like if he actually got a chance to develop, like he was – he would be in a different situation, like how much he would have already grown – but um, I think the steady development approach could also really work for him. So long as he can basically learn coordination and balance. Because I agree with you. It just seems like he's kind of out of control sometimes.
1: Yeah, and But he's like I- definitely
0: athletic enough and long enough and even skilled enough, really, to, to make it all happen. I don't think he's going to turn into Kawhi Leonard, which is sort of the initial comp that he was given, which was just too high of expectations to put on anybody. We've seen Kawhi Leonard this year, okay? This guy is really, really good. Uh, but I think OG has it in to be like a premium Trevor Ariza you know. Yeah,
1: that's what that's kind of what and I try to great. temper expectations for people after his rookie season. Because I'm I ha- have been and am super high on him, and I think you know he if he develops well, he could be an elite role player. And yeah. like because you're saying a guy maybe because I'm not projecting him to be an all star, that doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be really good. Really mm-hmm. good role player is important. I think he could be really a really really good role player. Maybe that stuff comes along, but I think it's I don't think it's fair to look at Pascal Siakam and be like, hey, maybe this other guy should. Yeah, there you
0: like go. That. Um, I was also looking through my likes, by the way, and I saw one of your tweets from yesterday. Very sweet. It's really fulfilling, especially not at your best, to be able to find pride and excitement in what people close to you are out there accomplishing.
1: Yeah, I was one quarter about you. No,
0: that's that's nice. Um, the next one from Todd: the ball movement without Kawhi's absurdly better what's the best way to balance Kawhi iso and the beautiful basketball that we see him uh the raptors play when he's out
1: yeah that's tough because you know it it, the way i described it early in the year was like it was like two offenses operating at once and Mm -hmm. kind of and you know ideally you would want those to slowly blend over top of each other and become one and it has done that a little bit like you mentioned earlier Kawhi has slowly gotten better as a a playmaker yeah um you know i think they can do some stuff with You having Kawhi trigger some of their motion actions rather than being the end result in them, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think you know honestly is is that and you look at you mentioned all the the passing numbers that Chris Black tweeted out earlier, a bunch of those games have been with Kawhi in the in the lineup and Kawhi playing big minutes and having big usage. I don't think you know I think they've gotten to a point where short of the end game scenarios, um, that has started to look a lot better. Right. Obviously, still a work in progress, but sometimes you're just gonna iso for. A really good score.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it is also just the team has to sort of learn to play around Kawhi. It's not just Kawhi's responsibility. Like, mm-hmm. if he's drawing a double team, it's the responsibility of the other four players to position themselves in places where they're open. And, they're, and get themselves ready to catch and shoot, right? And I think Kawhi has, for the most part, done a really good job of that with Danny. You don't see any issues with Danny and Kawhi playing together. Um, they and
1: Kawhi's a- numbers are all so much, like his on-off numbers are so much better with Danny
0: everyone's this man yeah. is danny still like top five and plus minus i think so he must be he, i mean he, he played yesterday that was like another plus 40 <laughs> so um but yeah i mean i think it's sort of a two-way street in that sense I, I honestly i the way Kawhi's pet plays are it's just sort of hard to play off of that right like if mm-hmm. a guy's posting up i don't know what else you really want to do around that you to sort of build maybe. chemistry yeah exactly right and they've done the, the cutting thing a little bit pascal's been doing that and Kawhi's hit Pascal a couple times. But um, for the most part, it's just really learning how to space and how to be ready to catch and shoot. And um, Kawhi understanding where his options are going to be and those options actually being there.
1: And honestly, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's it sucks that the answer is, well, Kawhi's got a good matchup and you just got to let him cook for a little bit. Yeah. But I forget the game. There was a game the other day where he it felt like he hit like seven elbow jumpers in like a quarter. And he was just, like, getting to that spot where he can raise up from, like, 14 feet. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, you know what? He's got that matchup. And, you know, the hot hand might not exist. But you you just kind of, when your superstar has it going in a matchup, you maybe just let it ride for a little bit. And, you know, maybe it costs you a possession or two after as you try to adjust back in. And guys have been standing still. But sometimes you got to ride your guy.
0: I'm going to clip that as well. Um, next one from Muhammad Ahmed. Best case to the... Best case path to the finals versus worst case path to the finals. I mean, what's I mean, what's the worst case path to the finals? If you're in the finals, then that's not really worst yeah. case. But I think it just means easiest and, and yeah. most uh, difficult path. I think the
1: now are we are we including very unlikely things at this point? What do you mean? Like like Charlotte could still mathematically get into the seventh seed, but I would are, are. I would put the odds at extremely unlikely.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree.
1: Okay. So Miami then is I think the easiest of the four teams that could land at seven.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it depends. I mean, do you feel like Miami's easier than Brooklyn?
1: Yes. I just don't think they like Brooklyn shoots so many threes that they could steal a game or two. Miami's just not very good. They're they're playing really yeah. well since Goran Dragic got back, and Drogic has always been a problem for for the Raptors, but they're just they, yeah. they don't have a ton of talent.
0: Also the Raptors have kind of sunned the heat this year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Spolstra is a little bit of a concern, but like Hassan Whiteside gives you even more back than usual in a playoff series.
0: Yeah, we all saw that before.
1: Yeah, I think Miami is the preferable first round matchup, and then I I, I would think Detroit's the least favorable of those.
0: It depends. For us media people, Detroit's probably definitely the most favorable first round matchup. I don't know. Do
1: you really want to read the takes? you really want all the columnists to come off the Leafs beat a, a playoff round early? And wow, they
0: should have kept Casey. Yeah, the issue wasn't. KCU was Masai, no. Um, the takes will be ridiculous, but also I think it'll just be really fun for the fans, you know? Yeah, you, you, like tough. six home games, seven home games? Yeah. we well, can go seven. Five home games, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. For us. Wanna,
1: I'm, I'm, done. <laughs> I'm done with seven, round first, seven game first round series, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. We'll see, about, we'll see if the Raptors are as well. Um, I, I generally agree with you. I think the one thing with the Nets that we're overlooking is just how small that team is mm-hmm. and how young that team is. And as much as, you know, those factors, you know, I mean, look, if you hit some threes, it papers over a a bunch of errors and mistakes. But I do feel like in terms of just how physical the playoffs are and how much the playoffs are about executing and intensity and things like that, it's kind of a reverse of Raptors-Nets from 2014. You know what I mean? Like, that team was just bullying the Raptors who were had young, fresh legs, were shooting threes better and stuff like that. But they ultimately won because, you know, the Nets just were more physical they had a player a big wing player that no one could guard and the same thing with brooklyn right like yeah. brooklyn would have nobody absolutely nobody thrown
1: look it's it's very telling that as fun as this brooklyn nets team is this year mm-hmm. they're the first team to ever hit 23s against the raptors and lose okay. now a lot of that any yeah. three-point stat is like because teams shoot way more threes now but it's funny to phrase it like that it, and that's that's basically what it is they have to be hot from three and d'angelo russell has to be hot from to range mm-hmm. for them to have chance to have, and to then, even, even, have and then even then it might not but I still you know three point variance being what it is Brooklyn maybe steals a game that way yeah that's true but I don't think they're I still think I'd rather play Miami or Se- they'd rather play Miami sorry second round Uh I think Indiana is the best case and yeah Boston is the worst case in second round but mostly
0: yeah I guess so right
1: Boston like I don't really believe in Boston but I think it's the worst case because if they manage to get to the three seed, that would mean they've been playing really well and they've started to figure it out a little bit.
0: Right, right. Um, In Philadelphia, like I I think they'll be difficult to play, but I think the Raptors match up really well with the Sixers.
1: Yeah, and then I guess the – yeah. That's also
0: playoff Ben Simmons, it's kind of starting to become a thing. Yeah, Look, I mean he only six, been in one playoff series. The Sixers series, are really
1: but, good, but the Raptors match up pretty well. Right, right. Um, and well, then i guess i guess in the conference finals the best case is just anyone knocks milwaukee off before the conference finals
0: that's what i'm hoping for. i'm really hoping the way it is right now boston's probably gonna get pass indiana and i feel like out of all the top contenders in the eastern conference boston is just best equipped to go up against milwaukee yeah. because you have that combination of Kyrie and al horford playing pick and pop in the middle of the floor mm-hmm. and that's Which is milwaukee's biggest defensive weakness exactly so, yeah. although milwaukee recently have been they've been trying a lot of switching defenses and stuff and it really worries me because that team is also very primed to switch.
1: Yeah, the Brogdon thing makes it tough, though.
0: That sucks. That that is true. That is true. That sucks. Um, and then yeah. M- Milwaukee, obviously. Also,
1: like we're just kind of owed a Raptors-Celtics series at some point, aren't yes.
0: we? Yes, yes, yes. We are. Yes, we are. All this um, posturing. I mean, Boston's had a lot better press for a team that has done not and accomplished much. not as much as the Raptors in the last couple of years. And uh, who knows what the future holds? But I'd also rather take Pascal over any of their prospects. Yeah. So there it is. Um, plus, we have a uh, you know Raptors South in Memphis uh, ruining their pick as well. <laughs> so it's it's good. It's it's a the whole yeah. con- yeah. confluence yeah. of factors is really exactly. working. Um. Okay. Next question from uh, John: Is the existential dread creeping in like it has every year? I would say this year, no, not at all.
1: Yeah, it's com- it's just, and even if it were, it's a completely different kind, where it's like, there's yeah. not like, oh, they're so good in the regular season, are they going to fail again? Because none of the pieces are the same. Like, Kyle's the same. Yeah. But that's kind of it. Yeah. Like, Siakam wasn't great in the playoffs, but OG was like the only guy who didn't back down from the playoffs. And, right. like, Kawhi's won a finals MVP, and Danny Green's won rings, and Gasol's done playoff runs. and Yeah. Nick Nurse
0: is a G League champion. <laughs> Two-time. Two-time G League champion. Yeah.
1: I just like if they don't if it doesn't work in the playoffs this year, it will be for different reasons. Right. And for that reason, I can't bring myself to like dread it just because it'll. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we. It's just it's not going to be
1: the same stuff that sinks them.
0: Outside of playing Milwaukee, the Raptors will have the best player in the series.
1: Yeah. And that makes me feel a lot better, which hasn't been the case. Like maybe what that Miami series is the only thing you can say that
0: barely because Jv went down. Yeah. Um, uh, another one from Tlaib. Who wins a battle royale with our current Raptors?
1: Not Serge. You can't let a punch on anyone. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you um, go.
0: I feel like Mark, Mark will do some damage. He might be too nice. I, I like how he just slaps at the ball like five times a game. And he picks up a foul at least two, three times. Just lazily slapping at the ball. I feel like he could slap. Who was on the team? Malcolm Miller, out of the ring. Is that how battle royals work? You got to get people out of the ring? You got
1: to over the top rope.
0: Okay. You can slap someone over the top rope.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you hit them. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, all right. I think Kawhi wins.
0: Yeah?
1: Ooh, actually, on the current roster, mm-hmm. I might pick Eric Moreland.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. That's a surprise pick, but I I guess it makes sense. He is very big.
1: Yeah. I mean, if we're talking like, if we're getting really wrestling with this, there's no way they would hot shot a new guy to win the... No. There's no way they'd book it that way. Yeah. But he's big. Okay. Pretty strong. Okay. But I think probably Kawhi. Yeah, it makes sense.
0: I I feel like Kyle would also be, by the way, like at least won the last three. At least. Yeah. Like, he would somehow, like... He would get hurt, though. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) When he got down in the final three. (laughs) Defensive Mitchell Robinson was in this. Yeah. Um... Yeah, okay. I'm going with Mark, but you're going with Moreland. I feel like size matters. No, I, I'm gonna place. go with Kawhi. I'm gonna stick with Kawhi. Kawhi's okay.
1: big enough. Yeah. And like he finishes and ones through like three guys scratching his arms. And
0: and, and that's and as we know, that's what translates to, to wrestling and just whether or not you You're looking for and
1: transferable ones. skills. There you go. Uh, the the ability to execute your offense through stuff like that. Uh league wide I think Steven Adams wins.
0: Yes. Given Demarcus Cousins a real chance there, and also PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker, I feel like with a low center of gravity, how are you going to pick that guy up? Yeah, he probably is like 400 pounds, but he's also super mobile. You know, yeah, he's very dense. He's the densest player in the NBA. There's
1: pretty much any non-basketball competition you could mention. And I'm picking PJ Tucker to like be yeah l- late in the finals, like chicken wing eating contest. Yep. Whatever. Yep. Royal Rumble. Whatever.
0: The oil or um... excuse me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just read this guy's handle instead of saying coffee. <laughs> uh from oil dave i guess then how does it feel to be such a content producing machine i think that's a question for you they that's don't a know, question they for you they don't know i'm on the pod well that's true but that is a question for you that's a question for you buddy it's uh you've got this empire here now yeah that's right that's right it's kind of cold in
1: raptors here. over everything it is a little chilly in here.
0: yeah raptors over everything that's right subscribe to the podcast um it feels it feels good actually the fact that you know like the fact that like so many people reached out uh, when I made the announcement. It, it, it did feel very validating. You deserve it, man. Thank you.
1: You've worked really hard and Thank you do you. great stuff. So,
0: um, he also asked, uh, "What do the Raptors' playoffs look like with a potentially fifty percent healthy Kyle Lowry?" Thanks. Why would you say thanks to that? I mean, we
1: kind of already, we kind of already. It's not going to look good. What about, you, what? Yeah, we already talked about how important Lowry being Lowry is.
0: Have you seen the 2015 playoffs or the 2016 playoffs? That's what 50% Kyle Lowry looks like. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good.
1: Yeah, they need Kyle Lowry to play like he's been playing lately. They need him to be the second best player on the team. is what they need him to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then last one from Ryan. Bro, are you coming back next year?
1: (laughs) That's that's really good. I can't wait to see that episode. Yeah, seriously.
0: Uh, Shout out Alex. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a uh, – I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast gets that reference. Yeah, definitely. But that's
0: a uh... – Okay, so you're you're around the team all the time. The surge and Kawhi bromance is real.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean – It's not like visceral. I wouldn't like... use the bromance term, but like Surge is the only guy I've ever heard like chirp Kawhi or like make Kawhi laugh really. Okay. Weirdly, I think Patrick McCaw is the one he talks to the most because their lockers what? are right next to each other. Okay. He's just like always talking to Patrick McCaw. But... <laughs> <laughs> that's um,
0: that's the one i would never have guessed yeah They're locker proximity that's all it is pat mccall first one out at the royal uh royal rumble for sure yeah or battle royale yeah whichever one that is is there a difference
1: uh royal rumble is one specific event like the biggest battle royale of the year the battle royale uh, is the term for general the format it's like the difference between basketball game and march madness right i see
0: Okay, well, that's a, that's a great analogy, Blake. Thank you for coming on the first ever episode of the Raptors Recap Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. You can find Blake's work uh, at The Athletic. Definitely check out that JV piece, and also look out for that Bruno story. That one's going to be great. I can't. I really can't wait. So
1: yeah, I'm excited about it. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks, buddy. The first, the first recap episode.
0: Yes, the first one. Of I'll get Raptors, used. To, I'll get used to the name of Raptors over everything. Raptors over everything. Subscribe to the podcast. Um, I'm not entirely sure about the availability on iTunes just yet. It's definitely in the process, and it's definitely in the works. And anywhere else you want to find the podcast, just actually just drop me a line on Twitter, and uh, I'll pass it along. But it's definitely up there uh, on uh, Spotify, so look for it there, and uh, that you'll also find the Raptors Reaction Podcast there as well. So thanks again to Blake, and we'll be back next week.